0: So, uh, here we are in the month of uh, December. Uh, we're trusting that uh, there's no fog in our hearts this morning, that we're focused on Jesus, and we've had great songs and communion. And offering thoughts to help focus us. We know what December is all about. Uh, we've already started counting down the days till Christmas. We start our shopping and pretty soon, not only in churches, but also even in various parts around our world, there'll be some attention focused on a very special birth, the birth of Jesus Christ. We, of course, will be doing that as well as a church, but this morning, we're gonna focus instead on the birth of Jesus. On our birth, our new life in Christ, there is new life in Christ. In becoming a true Christian and a disciple of Jesus, it's not just a better life or a more religious life, but a brand new life. That's what you get in Jesus Christ and that's what he offers the scriptures talk about this from uh, the very beginning even of Jesus's ministry he made it clear that in order to to see God to become part of his kingdom that Each and every person who comes to faith in Christ must make a decision to follow him and be literally born again, reborn, born all over. People wonder, how can this happen? And Jesus said, clearly, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, born again, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. In Romans chapter six, we've been witnessing a lot of baptisms, you know, over the last couple of months. Well, really, all year, over 100 people have been baptized into Christ and many others restored through your ministry here at North River. And it talks about how when you're, someone makes Jesus Lord and they're baptized into Christ, they're buried with Christ in baptism into his death, into the cross of Christ, in order that they might be raised up from the dead to the glory of the Father and to live a new life. That's what it's all about. And that's why sometimes we, we celebrate spiritual birthdays. Sometimes we call them birthdays. days. And so Mike celebrated his on November the 6th, 1977. He not only joined a church or became a little bit more religious or became a soul talker, but he got really born again and became a new person. Do you remember when that happened in your life? Do you remember a day when you were born into this uh, earth? Do you celebrate a birthday is it fuzzy for you for most it's not shouldn't be that way in your spiritual birthday as well because it was it was a time where a lot of planning a lot of thought by people around you and a lot of the word bearing uh, forth and and, and and the seed bringing forth really literally a new life I knew all about Christmas growing up how about you Okay my mom's birthday was Christmas okay so we we always paid attention to that we'd throw a big party you know for her you know for her birthday and we would all go to church on Christmas Eve that was about it. Okay, when uh, you know, in my uh, middle school and uh, my high school days, I grew up in uh, uh, living with my grandparents, my brother, and I, and we would occasionally go to the Presbyterian church. It was about three blocks away, and uh, then I played on a Methodist basketball team for a year, so I went to church for four months. Okay, that was about my religious experience growing up until my college, until my college days. I knew about Christmas. I didn't really connect with the death of Jesus, the cross that I needed to die personally, spiritually to get a new life. And people started studying the Bible with me uh, when I was in college um, at the University of Florida. Our apologies to our friends from Tallahassee. There are many wonderful schools all around the country. But we're celebrating our new life and several of us actually were born again in our youth in one particular church in one particular city 40 years ago or 48 years ago and you know what we like to do we want to share with you our new life because in anyone who is in Christ we have become what a new creation not just a little bit more religious. Something brand new altogether. It's a miracle when you become a disciple, whether it was forty years ago or forty days ago, or you're looking forward to it before the end of this year, or to get restored back to that original, you know, commitment. And and, and what what does the Bible says? Hey, listen. Get on out there. Get out into the the temple courts, which would be our marketplaces, you know, and our squares. Get out to Marietta Square. Get out in your neighborhood. Get out in your PTA parties and let everybody know about this new life. Go tell them. Tell your story. They didn't know a lot of the details. They didn't know a lot, you know, that they would be taught later on. But they could tell people, hey, I once was blind, but now I see. That is the message. And that's what we celebrate here, you know, here today. Here's old Mike Johnson, okay? So I thought you might want to see what did he look like 40 years ago? Several of the brothers called him Dudley Do-right, okay? And uh, for any of you that remember back in those days, you could see him in a, a red royal Canadian mounted police, you know, uh, you know outfit, you know, you know, type there. Uh, or some of the brothers called him Snidely Whiplash. I don't know, you know. Dudley Do-right got his man and Mike got his girl, okay? And... He also met Diane Johnson, you know, in the same church. He was baptized in the same place, in that place, you know, you know 40, uh, you know, 40 years ago. It's kind of encouraging to think about. Okay, Mike made me show that picture, so I get to show mine. Okay, you know, when I was, you know, when I was in college. Okay, when I became a disciple and Kelly became a disciple in that same place a few years earlier, but that's where we learned our new life. Okay, here's what it was. When I was studying the Bible and when you were too. Okay, it became real clear. In the Church of Christ and in our church, we do not soften the words of Jesus Christ. We don't, have, we, we don't soften them on grace, we don't soften them on eternal life, we don't soften them on love for one another, and we don't soften on what it takes to get this new life and be born again. Jesus made it really clear. There's the greatest commandment, okay? And that is that you love God with how much of your heart, how much of your soul, your mind, your strength that's added there in Mark, and also in Luke, and then your neighbor as yourself. As the campus students have been uh, focused on this, uh, this semester, it's all in. It's be an all-in. It's total commitment. When you're baptized into Christ, you make a decision to die to your old life and get a new life. Do you remember? And we recommit that every day in Luke chapter 9 and verse, uh, you know, in verse 23, uh, to take up the cross daily and follow Him. If you love father and mother more than me, you're what? You're not even worthy of me, Jesus said. You know, in order to become a disciple, unless you give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. Luke Chapter 9 and verse 33. Don't you remember? These are all really clear. We made that decision once. Or if we haven't, that's when you know you're ready to get baptized. That's when you really know you're ready to say Jesus is Lord and mean it. And for this new birth to be able to take place in your life. When I was studying the Bible, I realized I'd never loved anything like that. Okay? And, And I had a count of cost about what that might mean in In my life Yeah, you can only get to God through Jesus Yeah, that was intellectually stumbling for me And I didn't like the commitment anyway But then, you know I read the Bible like you, totally amazed like they were at his teaching. Nobody taught like that. And then I would read Matthew chapter eight and nine, all the miracles, the blind men, the paralyzed people. You know, he would, raise, uh, he, he, he would raise them up. he touched them and they would be healed. You know, people not only mesmerized by his life and his teaching, but he had the power of God. And he'd get out in the middle of a lake with a raging storm and say, be quiet, and it would sh- shut up. And the people around him would say, who is this guy? That's what I discovered. He was the son of God and I could make him my hero. That's what happened to me in my life when I was 18 years old as a freshman, you know, in, uh, you know, in college. How about you? When, when, when was your moment? For Mike, it was as it turned out when the cross touched his heart. In my life, it was when, you know, I for the first time studied and saw who Jesus really was and then I could see who I, you know, could be. Anybody recognize this guy? No, it's not Antonio Banderas. Okay, that's not who it is. Will the real Mark Ottenweller please stand up? Yeah, believe it or not, Mark was baptized in November of 1977 in that same town while he was doing his residency at the University of Florida Medical Center. He's the handsome guy in the jeans, you know? We all wore jeans back then, sometimes bell bottoms, and a few of us that were kind of wild and wanted to be different, like me, and I think there's maybe Bill also, you know, wore plaid, okay? That's how, how it was, except for one of us. Except for one of us. No, that's not Cameron McKenzie and his mom. That was a good guess. That's Ross McKenzie who always looked like he was gonna be a CEO of something, you know? (laughs) And um, he also was baptized into Christ in November of 1977, 40 years ago. Mike, Mark, Ross. No, the band hadn't just all gotten back together. They'd been together for 40 years, like so many of you. How about we give them a moment to share about their new life and to tell their story.
1: All right. She looks good up there, doesn't she? Still does. And that's encouraging. You know, when you, uh, when you get older, you tend to reflect a little bit on life. It's probably healthy. The Bible says we reflect sometimes, not too much, you know, because God does keep us occupied with gladness of heart. But there is a, there is a time to reflect, and I know last month when, when uh, Kim and I both were actually celebrating, and Cameron, our spiritual birthdays, uh, you know, we spent some time re- reflecting. And uh, so I thought I would just share a little bit with you. It's 9.52. I'm duly noted. Okay. You know, walking with God is an exciting adventure. And it's full of great surprises and not a few challenges. And the reason I share that with you is because it's wonderful to be born again, but it's maybe even better to still be faithful a few decades later, right? <laughs> it is wonderful to walk through life with, a, with some faithful friends, and even sometimes sweeter to walk through with a faithful wife and, and children, our adult children. It brings us a lot of joy. You know, it's amazing when you think back of where we have all come from, and particularly I know I came from, really having no meaningful purpose, no real sense of direction or whatever. There's no idea of changing the world or making a big difference. You know, to be given something as special as the gospel, as special as the message of the cross. And I know that in doing so, God has given me an opportunity to make an eternal difference in many people's lives. You know, there's going to be challenges when you reflect back, there has been, and to be able to face those difficulties, I know the years, I have, you know, there's this year and that year, challenging years where you can face it with some, uh, with some hope and, and just some, even to believe that you're going to learn something by going through those transitions with grace. You know, the world continues to spin out of control. It continues, in my opinion, to get worse, not better. I don't think there's less violence, drug abuse, family breakdown, war, hatred. And yet in here and amongst ourselves, even an FSU grad who Ray Rowan was didn't retaliate with Mike Johnson's comment. I think that might further clarify that he's qualified to serve as an elder with us. But there are are scriptural roles that we all play, and uh, being in the church where there's not only a plan for salvation but for conflict resolution, raising children. Uh, Dealing with life, et cetera, is such a special thing. So my conversion story, our conversion story as I reflect on that new life. Um, Really, it began in the mountains of North Georgia. Um, I was a shy new married guy uh, wanting to get into uh, college at the University of Florida. I was hurting from my dad's death when I was 19 years old. And really the things that led up to his death as you witness someone go through the agony of a, of a difficult illness. I was hurting though from my own bad behavior. I knew better. I was raised by a, a godly mother. So I knew better, but I was starting to make a few changes. You ever feel that way? And sometimes when you start to make changes, you get knocked back and then you try to make a few. And so I had kind of limited power. Started off rough some simple prayers. I remember the ones from my youth about the Lord's Prayer. And I know that starts off with our Father, who's art in heaven. So as I started to spend time outdoors in the North Georgia mountains, it started to kind of make sense that maybe there's a creator, maybe he cares for me, maybe my father is really the father in heaven who would love me forever. There was one thing that I didn't want to be, and that was a uh, religious fanatic. I really didn't want to be a born-again guy. You know, that was something that was floating around back then. It was always derogatory. It was not a positive thing back in the 70s, late 70s. And of course, when we moved to Gainesville, Kim and I, and she was invited to her first soul talk uh, by someone coming out of Shan's teaching hospital. She came home and let me know that, hey, she got invited to church and soul talk, and why didn't we try that? So again, going back to the first couple of big steps that I took was marry well, married someone who had a good moral compass, good spiritual compass. And uh, that wasn't my initial attraction as as high school sweethearts, right? But... But it sort of grew into that where I realized, wow, I really hit the jackpot here. So my first soul talk was on you must be born again. Of course, because that was something I really didn't want to be associated with. I wanted to be, you know, more inclined toward being a spiritual person and a good person and overcome some debilitating sins and, you know, difficulty, addiction type things where you just can't change, right? And, And so you must be born again. First salt talk. And I realized that's what was missing. That was kind of the part to fairly quickly address, because I knew my own sin and weakness and difficulties. But the implications of that are what it took me three weeks to think about before I was baptized, and Kim as well, on the same day. And that is the implications for this world. Not just, you must be baptized, you must be born again, you must surrender, You must come under the lordship of Jesus and use his power, not your own self-will or pull yourself up power, but other people as well. And that sent me, it sends us on a mission of mercy. A mission to explain to a frustrated world where the answers are, where the power is found, where the love of God is really found, and clear scriptural teaching. Someone gave me a Bible as I graduated. It was either high school or from junior college, perhaps, probably high school. And it seemed like a pretty silly gift, honestly. You know, if you're a young person, some old person gives you a Bible, you're like, gee, thanks. How about 50 bucks instead, you know? But that, it was a Bible that was easy to understand. And that's what really got my attention. It was so easy to understand and so convicting and so hopeful that I started to put two and two together. So that when somebody studied the Bible with me, it was fairly easy to, to, to make the connection. I'm gonna close out by reading First Peter, Second Peter, excuse me, chapter one. And, uh, and that was starting in verse 17. Hold on just a second, First Peter, yeah, that's what I said first, First Peter chapter one, verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's works impartially, live out your your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life that I and we are all experiencing, right? Handed down by our ancestors, our forefathers. They didn't know any better. But with the precious blood of Christ, Mike, the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you and my sake. Through him, you believe in God, and that is a big deal. When you believe, I really have come to believe in God and his personal concern for me, direction for me. That he wants what's best for me. He allows me to go through difficult times to shape my character. All the implications of you and you and I have come to believe in God. That changes everything. Uh, verse 22, Now you've been purified by obeying the truth, so you've sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. This Word of God was preached to me, and it's still being preached today. It is living, it is enduring. I encourage and challenge us to preach it, to teach it, to share it, to lovingly show it to others, and to baptize people as well. Because I'll tell you, there's one young couple that's forever grateful.
2: Thank you very much. Amen. It's uh, so exciting to share today. I first want to thank everybody for uh, what they've done with the superheroes campaign and We raised $62,000, our goal is $80,000. So we thank you very much for your giving, but we're going to keep CauseVox open until the end of the year, so thank you for that. My journey began in June 1977. Diane and I took a car and a little U-Haul trailer, we didn't have much, drove into Gainesville, Florida. I guess that's a common theme here today, too. And uh, went to the Gatorwood Apartments and uh, met Florence Hanning. She was checking people into the apartment complex and she had a little stack of index cards on her desk. And I said, what is that? She said, I'm memorizing scriptures. And I said, that's very interesting. I'd never heard anybody do that. I was not interested. <laughs> I wasn't open. I wasn't searching, but she had these scriptures there and I thought that was interesting. And a couple days later, knock, knock, knock. Some guys knocked on our apartment door. And they said, Here we're here from the church. And I said, Diane, talk to those guys. I was sitting there drinking beer, watching a football game. I didn't even talk to them. I said, Talk to those guys. They're from the church. Was, I wasn't open. And so a couple of weeks later, she went to church. She liked it. She's very open hearted, very religious, but very open hearted. And so a few weeks later, in the intensive care unit, Chance Teaching Hospital, Jim Minor, a cardiology fellow, invited me, a surgery resident, to go to a soul talk. And I had no idea what that was. And so for six weeks I made excuses. Finally I ran out of excuses. And I said, okay, I guess I'll go. And it was at John Schmidt's house and Chuck Williams led a a Bible study there. I'd never read the Bible, I didn't know what it said, but I thought this was interesting. These men were serious professional men, but they seemed serious about the Bible. I think I can read that Bible. And so I began to read the Bible. I studied with Jim Miner. He had never studied the Bible with anyone before. He had no idea what he was doing. But he had little scriptures, and we'd sit down and read them, and he didn't know, I didn't know. We just read the scriptures. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. And I read a passage. In Luke 15, about the prodigal son. And it said, while he was a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then later, verse 22, when the father said to his servant, quick, bring the breast robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. And I realized that God wanted me to come home. I had no idea what that meant, but I knew God was waiting for me at the gate, at the door, at the, at the tower, looking out, waiting for me to come home. I'd lived a derelict life. I'd gotten drunk and smoked dope and slept around, and I woke up a place I didn't know where I was. One time out on an open beach, I, I passed out, people walked over me. But God, despite that, wanted me to come home. And I read this passage and I thought, oh my goodness, God, God wants me to come home. No matter what I've done, he still wants me to come home. Whatever that means, I have to come home. And so I began to read the Bible more. I began to study it, try to understand it better. But I was blown away. I didn't know my story was in the Bible. The prodigal son. And so Diane struggled a bit. She was religious. And she, in the studies, the more she studied, the angrier she got. <laughs> and so one day I said, Honey, listen, I... I don't know, I'm not a Christian, I know that. And we did the same things. And she said, oh, okay, I guess you're right. (laughs) Because if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. (laughs) The old is gone, the new has come. That scripture convicted her. That no matter how religious she was, I was a derelict, she was totally religious, but both of us needed to turn to God. It was amazing. One Sunday she said, I'm gonna get baptized today, tonight. I was blown away. I said, oh my goodness, this is going to change our whole lives. I gave her a hard time all day. I said, look, I'm a, I'm a pagan. I'm not a Christian. You're going to be sleeping with a, with a pagan. I, I told her, what's, what's going to happen to our marriage? I kind of threatened her with, with the future and our marriage. She cried all afternoon, all afternoon, because of me, because I felt threatened and, and challenged. And that night she got baptized into Christ. And I realized that, that we can't be wimpy. We can't be compromising and accommodating. It was deep conviction that helped me. Diane had deep conviction. and Despite everything I said, she made Jesus Lord. And that helped me. That helps people when you have deep conviction. And so I kept studying the Bible a few more days. I, we studied the Bible at 11 o'clock at night. Florence Hanning had deep conviction. The medical students, we had a Bible talk at at 9 o'clock at night. I studied the Bible at 11 o'clock at night. That's pretty old school, amen? 11 o'clock at night. And so the brothers came over and they said, Look, Mark, uh, we can study. I said, Look, I know what I need. The Bible's not that complicated. I I know what I need to do. We went down to the church. It was midnight. There was a group of guys singing there. They came over and they started singing, Seek ye first. And Jim Miner baptized me into Christ. The water was warm, I remember. I was scared to death. <laughs> and yet God changed me. Despite who I was, God changed me and and my life changed. I I I I didn't really like church. I hated coming to church. But God helped me to to understand that and get to know people. And 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 God is still saving us today. Amen. God God wants to save us. Acts chapter 2 it says you know that everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved and that you save yourself from this corrupt generation and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved and, and today we can still be filled with an expressible and glorious joy because today we're receiving the goal of our faith the salvation of our souls and I just hope and pray you thank God every day for saving you I thank God every day for that and hope and pray that, that God will rekindle your dreams young men will see visions by the Holy Spirit, amen Acts 2 But brothers, older men, we need to dream dreams again. I'm just telling you, my house is like an evangelistic machine. Women come in there and study the Bible and get trained and count the cost and get baptized and all that. And the brothers, the 50 and 60-year-old men, we need to rise up. We need to recapture our dream. We need to come out to Africa and see all that God's doing. We need to be rising up as leaders. We need to be studying the Bible with people. All of us do, amen? So hundreds of men can become disciples and recapture that dream. We can dream that dream today. So my heart's desire and prayer is that you thank God for saving you every day. And you recapture that dream, God's dream, that all men could be saved. Thank you very much.
0: Yesterday, this service is on my mind a lot, all day. And I went to bed last night, um, uh, probably close to midnight, and um just had one of those restless nights. I couldn't sleep. And um, I was thinking a lot about what the different brothers are going to share, kind of thinking over my life a lot. Um, my spiritual birthday is coming up in uh, two days on, the, on December 5th. And uh, I I just couldn't sleep. Finally, I got up about 3 in the morning and went out to the living room and just kind of, you know, got out my Bible and sat there and thought and prayed a little bit and uh, tried to get comfortable in a chair. And, you know, finally about 4.05, I looked at at my my phone again. And, you know, I definitely remembered because, um, you know, 48 years ago almost— uh, December 4th, 1969, I'm a freshman in college, just been studying the Bible, and um, uh, just had my first final, and I, I couldn't go to sleep. I'd, I'd studied, I mean, you see how complicated our studies were, Mark kind of explained that, but we'd gone over the basic scriptures there and there, and knew what it meant to, to, to give my heart completely to God, and I was fighting, I didn't really want to be this religious kind of fanatic guy and the lifestyle was challenging to me even some things intellectually about our beliefs uh, that you had to submit to in the scriptures finally you know about 3 30 in the morning i just called up the campus minister and said you know what because i've read in the, book, in the bible when people got baptized you just do it right there right then so i called him. i said I'm ready to go i, I gotta get baptized I said well great let's get together tomorrow morning and we can talk i said no we need to do this right now i, I gotta do it now uh, I, I, I i've thought about this a lot so we got like the four of us, went down to the little church building. Um, and a little bit after four o'clock, you know, in the morning, I had never seen a baptism, so I put on my best clothes, you know, I wanted to look good. So I got baptized with my best clothes on, my shoes, my wallet, everything, you know. They tried to get me to put on a little white robe, and I thought, ah, that's weird, you know. You know, I picked this out for my baptism, so I got baptized. You know, and, um, and began and began my, my new life. Don't you remember yours? Yeah, don't you remember? Go ahead and tell this new life, you know, to everyone. And if, if you haven't had it yet, get excited about it, even though it's little so scary. Uh, and then all of us got to go back to that time. And if we need to get restored to it, get restored to it. Okay, because God has this wonderful, great plan for all of us. It's a plan to be able to have a new life in a new year. The takeaways, you know, God, Jesus has always been drawing us to the cross. Jesus just needs to be our hero and capture our heart, you know, and to realize that when you're feeling lost, guilty, looking for ultimate answers in life, you know, this is the place to go, and God has always been waiting for all of us with open arms and a hope for a future. Yeah, a new life. Let's make sure we have a new life and a new year. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord humble yourself in the sight of the Lord.